This episode is brought to you by Dead Reckoning. They are a really epic South African clothing brand. I got in touch with the owner, Jono, about a year ago and have been wearing their clothes flat out since and my style has definitely improved once I started rolling in their kit with lots of people asking about the brand. I also love their slogan, which is, In the crew we trust. I feel it fits so well with rowing and my team. Rowing is all about having the trust in your crew. Build the trust, earn the trust. All the items are made in South Africa and they offer an awesome range for men and women. You can order straight off their website at www.deadreckoning.co.za and they'll deliver to you anywhere in South Africa. Also, if you use the promo code BRITAIN, you'll get 10% off your order. That is Britain, my name, not the country. B-R-I-T-T-A-I-N. Welcome to The Rose Show. This is a brand new podcast where we're going to be going into everything sport, performance, the gold and the glory, and obviously talk a bit about rowing. I'm your host, Lawrence Britton, Olympic silver medalist and part of the South African rowing team. South Africa. My it brings heart. people together, it breaks Olympics. down barriers. Yeah, right. My passion Winning. to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. It's a role South Africa. Passion. Great. Passion. Perfection. Gold. Ultimate gold. Glory is training. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Everyone watches the Olympics, and it's easy to appreciate the level of skill of any athlete competing there. But it's hard to understand the journey each athlete has taken to get there just by watching their final performance. Today we are going to look behind the scenes and try to understand the years of work and dedication, the pain and the hardships an athlete endures to have a chance of standing on the greatest sporting stage in the world and a chance for glory. Welcome to The Row Show and thanks very much for tuning in. I am your host Lawrence Britton and this is episode 3. Over the past few years there has been a steady upward trend in rowing South Africa's results and last year South Africa qualified a record 5 crews for the Olympic Games and came away with 5A finals. But for one man in particular, this was not enough. And today we are not looking into the mind of an athlete. Today uh, today I have an intimidating guest on the show, none other than 2016 World Rowing Coach of the Year, the man behind the scenes running the show, South Africa's head honcho, Roger Barrow. Let's get into the brains behind SA Rowing and find out how he got to where he is and where he plans on taking the team over the next few years. Welcome, Rog. Thanks very much, Lawrence. You've listened to the first two episodes of The Row Show and what have you thought so far? Yeah, I think it's an epic way of communicating um, what we do, um, especially out to the world and the youth and really aspiring rowers in South Africa, that they get a good feeling of understanding how the boat moves and get into the insight of an Olympian. Awesome. And let's get into, into the bit of, of your background. How, how did you get into rowing? Um, I was fortunate enough to row at school um, when I was a 13, 14-year-old. And um, I remember my first day of rowing still very clearly. It was all about the feeling and sitting in a boat and how do we sit it that the blades don't go the noisiness on the water and just the movement of the boat underneath me. And I was a good cricket player, but once I learned the feeling of the boat and understood it, I just wanted to make it go faster and faster and I was addicted. And then did you plan on, on rowing uh, as you got a bit older or were you, were you set on, on being a coach from early on? No, I was definitely trying to be an athlete and um, I think the ultimate is being an athlete and winning at the Olympics and doing well. And that was definitely the path that I wanted to be on. But as I went along, I realized that being a coach and um, I started at school level and I felt good feelings of, of making other people go fast and enjoy the feeling of the boat. And I seem to be a better coach than rower, which now I'm happy with. But at the time, I wanted to be a better rower than coach. But um, certainly letting other people learn about rowing and learn the feeling was, is an awesome feeling to me. Awesome. And now you are World Rowing Coach of the Year. What do you think uh, sets you apart from the rest? Look, I think I'm very fortunate that I work with a great team of athletes. 
I think um, it's it's a great feeling to be the world coach of the year, but I'm surrounded by an amazing team. And I've got to give a lot of credit, firstly, to the athletes that I work with. They're the ones who put their bodies on the line. And the second one is the people I work with, my peers, in the sense of our support system, doctors, physiologists, and the other coaches I'm working with. It's certainly not a one-man show, as it's a massive team effort. And I think if we get all the, the different people in the team really working to their strengths, um, we can certainly deliver great results. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we love the team. I think there's, there's an awesome vibe and I think exciting things to come in the future. But just looking back a little bit, so you started the head coach position in 2009. If you could go back in time and speak to yourself just before you started the, the, the job, what advice would you give yourself back then? I think more about listening to others. Um, I've got a good phrase where um, coaches, we don't know what we don't know. Um, which is a scary thought um, <laughs> when you don't know what you don't know. And uh, at the end of the day, we're competing with big systems, lots of athletes, lots of money, and we're a small system, and we can't use that as an excuse. So certainly if I go back to 2009, I would certainly get more, um, more coaches involved with me, people who, who knew the game better. I'm not trying to think that I know it all because I'm certainly far from it. Even to this day, I need to get more good people involved. And I think listen more and talk less. Um, would certainly would have been as a younger coach some good advice that I could have taken um, for those first four years. And just going on that, uh, the difficulty of being a coach and, and what do you find the hardest part of, of being a head coach of a big system? I think it's, it's a lonely game. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who don't always want to see you succeed. Um, you've also got your own critic that you always feel that what you're doing is not good enough and you need to be better at it. So it can be very lonely. Um, you're always feeling, I always feel that we're behind the curve. I always feel that we're too slow. So as a coach, that's quite nerve-wracking. As you, you, never, you only know once you race, and if you win the race, then you feel, okay, I've done a good job. But then it's short-lived. So you only have a good feeling for a few days, and then it's back to the grindstone and saying, well, now I'm too slow, and you've got to work and be a perfectionist in getting it right again. Yeah, and it's all about the results at the end of the day. I mean, you can have an awesome season, but if you don't get the results at the end, then, it's, then you're under pressure and then everyone only looks at those results really. Yeah, I mean, we only judged once a year and then we really judged every four years. So if you think of the amount of time in between that period, it's quite tough. But I think um, looking at our team environment and how we carry ourselves and we enjoy what we do, then it makes the in-between time good. Um, but we've got to be honest with ourselves at all times. Mm. But there's also really exciting parts of the job. I mean, going to the Olympics and all, all and I mean, the results and all of that is very exciting. And what do you find the, the best part of the job? I think the best part of the job is working with the athletes. This for me is, um, I would hate to be an administrator within rowing or just be a head coach where I don't coach crews. Um, but my the love of is getting on the water every session, watching how they grow, how they challenge you um, as a coach, and basically getting speed. When you look at your stopwatch and you pull a PB, um, you know, today we got close to a 120 in a Fococcus 4. I mean, that's exciting stuff, and you get goosebumps. Those are the exciting moments for me of seeing when an athlete celebrates when they do something well. Is it, so you're just saying it's because you have such awesome athletes? <laughs> yeah, I'm, as I said in the beginning, I'm fortunate I've got very good athletes, but I've got, I've got athletes that put their bodies on the line. I think that's what the big difference is. And then do you have a, a favorite boat class? I don't know, because I mean, you're coaching all sorts. You're coaching a women's single skull and a men's heavyweight four. Um, yeah, when I look at the boats I've coached, there's Cox's fours, women's skulls, women's lightweight doubles, um, men's pairs, women's pairs. I think they're all good. Um, there's no doubt coaching a bigger boat with, with high speed is probably more exciting. Um, because you really see a big boat moving. 
I think it takes, um, as a coach, when you've got more people involved, it can be more difficult to get everyone in the same thing. So the challenge of coaching a bigger boat is certainly there, and I enjoy that part. Um, but there's no doubt in working with a single scholar has got its points because they have to be more self-motivated and um, they can only blame themselves. When you're in a four, they can blame each other or blame the coach. So it's different environments. But I think as a, a young coach, you learn more by coaching more the boats classes. And then over all the years and, and all the crews and athletes that you've coached, do you, do you have a favorite athlete over all the time? Um, no, I don't think I really have a favorite athlete. I think I have athletes who really work well for the system. But I think, um, you know, I look at two athletes that have retired, James Thompson and Sean Keeling. Um, I really enjoyed working with them. We traveled long, long roads with them, and they got great successes in, in, in the path. And I think that's what's enjoyable. So I guess working with athletes that are successful makes the, the journey that much more enjoyable because you feel more rewarded. I think working with you now, Lawrence Britton, John Smith um, has been awesome, David Hunt, um, Kirsten McCann. These are all athletes that um, are great to work with because they're successful athletes. Yeah, and I think also with, with Sean and James, I mean, they started the system with you almost. They, they started sort of performing at the same time you took up head coach. So maybe just growing with you also makes it quite exciting. Yeah, I mean, the, life's, the, the enjoyment's about the journey. As you say, it's not about the end result, but it's about the training that we do and enjoying everything. And I think they, they made the system just as much as I was part of it. So seven athletes retired after the Rio Olympics last year from the team and how, what is the key to producing consistent results especially over long periods of time when the athletes are, are changing over? Yeah, I think um, it's been quite a big blow if we're really honest about how many athletes did retire and um, I think key athletes retired which made it difficult. I think it's difficult on the athletes that are left from Rio where they've got to pick up the mantle and, and take it forward. But I've been really exciting on how the younger athletes, you know, Carl Scumby, um, Nick Oberholzer, um, uh, Sandro, um, young guys coming in. So I think it's, it's no point saying, well, we've, we've lost a whole lot and cry about it, but it's about getting the work done and um, definitely seeing the young ones manning up at the moment. Yeah, and then just uh, going on to the, the, the whole South African rowing team, what, tell us a bit about the support system and the structures in, in place for the team. So we've been really fortunate with our Powerhouse Trust, which is headed up with Paula Cavallari and um, Ivan Pence, and they're really the backbone of um, building a trust and building funds so that we can carry on with what we're doing. But it hasn't got a lot of money in it. Um, we've got to get sponsors, and fortunate enough, we've got R&B on board now, which I think is going to make a huge difference on, on um, providing for the shortfalls that we often find ourselves in, in being able to employ maybe more coaches, um, give athletes some type of, of stipend and allowing us to do the extra tour when we need to do some more racing. So I think we're certainly going from strength to strength. Um, but with all these things, it's so important that we, we still deliver the results and the performances. But I think um, when you look at how many rows we have in South Africa, really small, but uh, we're able to perform at the highest level and we've just got to keep that going. Yeah, and I think it's, it's all about the training for Rank South Africa. We spend most of our year down in, in South Africa, hidden away, doing, doing our max work. Um, but now, as your job to push those athletes to the limit and, and really watch us suffer, is it, is it hard to, to watch us suffer sometimes and to make sure that we push that little bit extra when you know that's what we need to win, but that's not really what the athlete almost uh, can do or wants to do? Yeah, I think, I mean, as a young coach, I've learned that athletes can certainly push themselves more and that the human body is capable of a lot. But I don't like hurting athletes or pushing them to see these boundaries. I think it's more important that we teach athletes to push themselves. And my job must more be to hold athletes back. 
um, where they actually put in themselves on the line because they want to. The program must be there to facilitate this. Um, I certainly never want to hurt someone or, or threaten people with more training. They want to do it. I think we're getting to a good niche now where I'm actually pulling the reins back a little bit and saying, oh, hang on athletes, you're pushing yourselves too hard, let's temper this a little bit. And I think that's a good space to be in, where now the athletes want to push themselves to the limits. And I think that's why we're successful, um, because the athletes know their limits and where they can push their bodies to, and it's and it's extreme levels. Yeah, I mean, the training, especially over the last few weeks, has been nothing short of ruthless, but I also think it is definitely part of of our, our culture is, is really going for that little bit extra and, and pushing ourselves more than, than pushing everyone else. And the competition in our team is, is massive. But then through the, the hard training, what did you say is the, the most important aspect of the training or the, the key aspects in training? Or is there one even? I think the big key aspect is the technical work we do. I think we always aspire to row 20 on the stroke rate on steady and can we do that at 40? And um, I think our technical work is, is a good strength of our team and it's an honesty checker where we know we can't train much harder, but we can row better. And I think this is an element that we're small and our coaches work with the athletes all year round and we're able to make some gains on that, on that level um, from a technical work mixed with hard, brutal training. Yeah, because I think it's, hard, I mean, it's easy to see physical, physical performance on the ergo or you know, to see the numbers and then just use the numbers, but it's hard to, to judge the technical element of rowing. And I mean, even when you watch rowing, on the TV, it's, it's hard to, to see this level of skill of, of the different crews. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly learned as, as a young coach, as I've said, is we have to row so much. And I think people don't underestimate how much we need to row to be fast. And I think it's a problem in South Africa's rowing, where a lot of good athletes only train for half the year. And I think we we managing to hit the iceberg a little bit by training all year round, and that's why we're competitive on the international stage. Then, as head coach, you often hold, hold an athlete's dreams in your hands. And when it comes to selection, how hard is it to have the, the final say on, on someone's Olympic dreams? Yeah, the way you're putting it. Um, <laughs> it's quite an intense question. but uh, I think this is, this is the hardest part of my job. And if I could choose one element of my job that I don't want to do, it's this part. I'd rather go and find money. I'd rather do all the cleaning, everything. But I think <laughs> when you're with athletes of who've put so much in, and we had it last year just before the Olympics of telling some athletes they were going to go and some athletes who weren't going to make it. And I think as a coach, you've got to have a lot of empathy of understanding how the athlete sees it. But yet, on top of that, you've got to make sure that along the pathway, you're also motivating and trying to give them the best chance that they can do. So when they walk away from being dropped from the team, at least they can walk away with their head high, held high. Yeah, that's uh, quite, a, quite a good answer. Um, then a little bit of a change, a change of pace a bit. All athletes have big coping mechanisms for stress, and especially when it comes to racing. But I often think that a coach, you know, they it's it's more stressful or harder for a coach when because they have no control over the the race. Once the the coach pushes you off from the jetty, there's he has no control over the outcome of the race. So how how do you cope with the stress, especially during big races? I start praying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've seen you pacing the banks of it in the in the other in, in when the others are racing. Yeah, look, I think um, we do pray. I mean, it's it's a it's a hard time because you have forty minutes of waiting to to hear what happens, and you've put so much into a result. But I think at the end of the day, there's so many things going through your mind, and I often find I learn in those 40 minutes of things that I would do differently because your mind's racing at 100 miles an hour, and then you think, okay, well, if they don't get this result, we'll try that afterwards. But the important thing is that the athletes don't see you stressed. Um, 
that I think I've learned that if I can put a crew on and I'm in a calm state and they can see that I've got belief in them, they go out and then do a really good job. I think if they see you as stressed as ever, if you were a smoker, I guess you would smoke a box of cigarettes, <laughs> then it wouldn't be a good thing for them to take confidence and go and do it. So I've always noticed that the best races I've seen athletes that I've worked with do really well is when I'm really calm, I can crack a joke, and we can talk things through calmly. But um, it all leads into the preparation and how your season's been and the confidence you take in as a coach, um, just as much as the athletes taking into the race. Yeah, so I know at the at the Olympics after our, I think it was a semi final, you told you told us how nervous you were, and I was like, "What? You didn't look nervous at all." And I think if I had seen you being nervous before the race, I think it really would have have shaken me up a little bit because it's it's a huge confidence booster when you get to the boat, you've done part of your warm up already, and you're ready to get on, and you, your nerves are are right on edge. And then if you calm and the coach is calm and, and, and just lets you go and do your thing, then I think it does give the athlete quite a lot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, that day was a horrific day for me because uh, I think we had had a bad week of preparation with illnesses in the crew, and I certainly felt the pressure before. But I remember going around the bush and you know throwing up a bit and uh, <laughs> realizing that this is not going to help Lawrence and Sean if, I, if I'm pale in the face and I can't say a sentence. So you know, thought of a few good jokes and was calm, and, and luckily the result took care of itself. So watching all of the racing, do you ever get get the, the bee in your bonnet to go for a row or go get out there and get it back into a boat? Um, I certainly do, and I've actually got a coastal skull. So, you know, once a year I take my coastal skull to the coast and I get in um, and I try and teach them the ways that I try and coach and row, but I, I still miss the feeling of the boat. But I know to try and row with you guys or against you guys or at a stage, it's not worth it because I need to focus on you rowing well, me coaching well. But I do miss not being in the boat for sure. Yeah. And then lastly, um, I'm sure we have some aspiring Olympians listening. And what advice would you give them as they, as they start their journey or as they, they start to, to think about their Olympic dreams? Yeah, I think we've got many aspiring Olympians. And um, I think the biggest thing they can do is they're responsible and can control their Olympic journey and their destiny. And it's so important that they get stuck into the right training and ask for advice and ask the right people and get, get stuck into it. I mean, we've seen really young guys like John Smith get to the Olympics at a really young age and win Olympic gold. And there's no reason in my mind why there aren't another 10 John Smiths out there who can do exactly the same. But it's so important that they get the right guidance, they ask the right people for the right help, and they knuckle down and make rowing their priority in life. Um, and that's as simple as it can be. Because also, I know a lot of athletes think they're gonna get it in a year or two, and yes, some particular athletes are really good and, and can improve quickly, but most athletes, especially in our team, have, have been in the team for many, many years. Yeah, and um, it does take many, many years. I mean, I think the saying of 10 years to be an expert in your game isn't untrue, especially in the rowing game. If you look at the ages of people who win medals at the Olympics, they're pretty old. So you, you've got no time to waste. If you want to do your degree over six years and then start rowing, more than likely you're not going to make it. So if you want to go to the Olympics, start today. There we go. That's the wise words from the chief himself. Thanks so much for, for giving me your time, Raj. And uh, yeah, I'm sure the episode will do really, really well. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks very much for tuning into The Row Show. Please feel free to send me any ideas on the show that you have. You can leave a comment below or you could email me at therowshowsa at gmail.com. Until next time, goodbye.